the beginning of the Christmas story. Look, take your Bibles this morning, look with me in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Wednesday night, we, we have so many kids now on Wednesday night that we take home. It takes three buses to get them away from the church at one time. We take our, our big bus and we put about 10 or 12 kids on it and we bring them to the front of Indian Springs. That big bus is not able to go down those roads. It's the overhanging limbs. That bigger bus is, is a little higher than the rest of them. But, but what we do, we bring them up to the front of Indian Springs and and uh, when one of our buses get done, they come out and get another load of kids and take another load and deliver them home. Well, while we were sitting there, I just started asking the kids that were on the bus with me, I said, tell me when, I was asking them questions about Christmas, and I said, when did, Christmas story, when did the Christmas story begin? When did this Christmas story begin? And I started getting all kinds of varieties of answers. One kid said it was when the shepherds were in the field, and the angels appeared to him. That's when the Christmas story begins. One said when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. One said when the star shone on the manger. When Jesus was born was when another kid said. Another one said it's when the wise men showed up at the manger. So I asked my Sunday school class this morning. You know, they're, they're a little smarter than some of our younger kids. A little smarter. So uh, I was asking some of them. And listen, we had, we had a little deeper answer here. They said the Christmas story began before the creation of the world. I said, wow, that's, that's pretty deep, you know. And, and uh, so we began to, began to talk about when was the beginning of the Christmas story. Well, I, I preached a message at the 1st of December, and the title of the message then was, When Did God Plan Christmas? Well, we gave that answer, and it was found in... 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 through 20. And if you remember, it says there that, that the sin is not, the sin debt is not paid by, the, by the, the blood of animals and goats, but by the precious blood of Jesus, which was planned before the foundation of the world was ever laid. So if we want to know when God planned Christmas, we know that it was planned way before God ever created man. So we know that's when the plan. But when did the Christmas story begin? Well, when we look into the Old Testament, we know that God foretold of a lot of things that were going to take place prior to the Christmas story beginning, or they prophesied of all these things. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 9 and, and verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So, when we look in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us, hey, I've got a Christmas story I'm fixing to tell you. I'm fixing to, the Christmas story is fixing to begin. He foretold of it. He foretold of it in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 when he says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So again, he says, listen, there's a Christmas story coming. There's a Christmas story coming. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, he tells us this, 
But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee sh shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler of Israel. In other words, he says, Israel and Bethlehem, the one that's going to rule over the nation of Israel is going to come out of Bethlehem. Guess what? He is saying the Christmas story is coming. I am fixing to start this Christmas story. In Psalms, Psalms chapter 72 and verse 10, it tells us that the kings will be coming and they will bring gifts and they will set them and kneel and worship before the king of Israel. He tells us way before all this happens, he says, in the Christmas story, when the Christmas story begins, this is what's going to happen. The kings are going to come and they're going to bring gifts and they're going to present them to the king. So, so even the Old Testament tells us there's a Christmas story coming. There's a Christmas story coming. Now, y'all know that the word Christmas is not in the Bible, right? But we do recognize that this Christmas story is the birth of our Lord and Savior. So as we look at the Old Testament, and this is what I like. When we look at the Old Testament, it foretells that some great event is coming. It calls him a king. It says that he's going to be born of a virgin. It says where he's going to be born. It tells many, many facets of his life. It even tells us in the Old Testament about how he will die on a cross, or not a cross, but how he will suffer for our sins and forgive mankind of sin. He tells us all that even in the Old Testament. But when does the story really begin? When does that Christmas story begin? And I think this is very interesting. If you look at the last book in the Old Testament, comes a point in time when God is dealing with the nation of Israel that God becomes completely silent. You read through the Old Testament, men of the nation of Israel have had dreams. Men of the nation of Israel, God has called and He's made them prophets. He's made kings. He's appointed them. But a point and a time comes in history when God becomes completely silent. No angels. No supernatural events. No dreams. No prophets. God is completely silent for a period of 400 years. And then something supernatural happens again. And that is the point where I say the beginning of the Christmas story begins after this 400 years of silence. Now, I'm not saying that anybody else was wrong, okay? I know the way you hear the question was when does the Christmas story begin? I mean, everybody's got their own idea of how the question was asked. For Wayne Bickley... The Christmas story begins in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5. I hope that you will follow along with me as we read these scriptures. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5. It says, There was in those days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zechariah, as the course of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now very well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, 
according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. I want to stop and just explain what's going on here. When uh, the nation of Israel, they, they had their temple set up, and it says, it says that Zechariah, when his course came, in other words, they had a schedule, kind of like I was looking at our children's church schedule, who will serve at a certain time when they go back and they teach children's church. Well, that's kind of the way it was over in Israel. They had a temple. They had a group of Jews that were qualified to serve in the temple. And it says, and by his lot, in other words, they didn't do the same job every single time. Some people made the sacrifices of the lambs or the animals. Some of them... Some of them put them in the, what they called the hand of God. I, I've ne- I don't know if I've ever done a message on the hand of God. When those little sheep would be brought for sacrifice, they had a little thing. It was a, it was a wooden crate, and they would put that little lamb in that crate, and they would push it together, and what it would do, it would just gently lift that little lamb up off his feet. And then that priest, if this was his appointed lot, he would take his hands and he would run it up and down that sheep's leg. He would run his hands through the back of that sheep looking for any blemish or spot that might be on that lamb and they would inspect it. Well, that was part of some of the duties of the priest. Some of the duties of the priest was to make the bread and walk inside the temple and put it on the table of showbread. So there were lots of different things that took place. They would usually serve for usually a month at a time, 30 days, or some would serve two or three months at a time. It doesn't tell us how long his lot was or his period of time, but it was Zachariah's time to come and serve at the temple as a priest. His lot, when he got there, called his duty, his lot, whatever it was, they might have drew straws or they might have had a piece of paper. When, when he drew his lot, this time... His lot was to go into the temple and they were to light an incense and there was an altar of incense. His job was to go in there and light the incense and get it burning. The incense represented prayer. So as the people stood outside the temple, they would watch Zechariah go in. He would go over to the to the, the uh, place of incense. He would light the incense. He would get it going. He would turn around and he would come back out. So this was what he was to do. So he does exactly that. But something different happened this time. When he got up and he went into the temple to light the incense, look what it says in the next verse. Verse 11, it says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Understand, this is the first time in 400 years an angel had appeared to anyone in the nation of Israel. No dreams for 400 years. No prophets for 400 years. Total silence from God. And now he is standing there and he walks up to the altar of incense and when he does, he looks to the right and there's an angel standing there. Later on in the scripture, we find out this angel's name was Gabriel. Verse number 12, And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, <coughs> for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, 
what do you think his prayer was? He said, listen, I've, we've heard, God's heard your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. I, Elizabeth and John had, I mean, Elizabeth and Zachariah had been praying for a son. He says, your, your prayer's been answered. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. And he shall go before, what's that next word? Him. Who is him? Hey, listen. Jesus is coming. Gabriel is sitting here saying, Jesus is coming. There's an announcement here. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So again in this sentence, Angel Gabriel says, listen, I want you to know, didn't call him by name, Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming. His name will be Jesus. Gabriel is announcing the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? And I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, or not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season." And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled at his tarrying so long in the temple. Now, normally when they would go and serve in the temple, all you got to do is light the incense. It's not a hard task to be performed. So he walks in. Now he's having a conversation with Gabriel. Uh, I'm almost positive this, this conversation has probably lasted longer than what appears in the Scripture. I believe that we probably got the most important part but the people outside were waiting and they're going, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Verse number 21 said, And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. He come out trying to talk to them and he couldn't speak. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration, in other words, his appointed time, whether it was 30 days or whether it was two months or whatever the appointed time was accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. All right. I believe in my heart this is the beginning of the Christmas story. God has dealt with the nation of Israel for years and years and years. He stops dealing. He stops speaking. 400 years pass, and Jesus, or I mean, and then God begins to deal with the nation of Israel again. 400 years of silence, and it begins when the, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple. Now, when we begin to look at the importance of who John the Baptist was, we read scriptures like this and I don't even have it here. 
Oh, there it is. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 says this. And this is the prediction in the Old Testament that there would be come, there would be one coming. And listen, again, he is the forerunner for Jesus Christ. And this is not how he said it. He didn't say, Jesus is coming. That's what we understand. But in Isaiah 40, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I want you to know this was John the Baptist's job. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So when we begin to see that this message that Jesus is coming is being proclaimed, understand that everything to do with John the Baptist has everything to do with Jesus' coming. The birth of Jesus is being proclaimed through John the Baptist and his birth, the birth of Jesus, is being proclaimed. Watch this. Look on down in Luke chapter 1 and and, uh, look down in verse 31 and 32. When we, where we left off with verse 24, the angel Gabriel has now gone to Mary and announced to Mary, Mary, you're going to conceive and you're going to have a child and you're going to call his name Jesus. And I think most of us have heard this conversation. Mary says, well, I don't understand. How is it that I can have a child I've not been with a man. And the angel tells her, you're going to conceive through the Holy Spirit and this is going to be the Son of God. Look what it says in 31 and 32. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Mary, understand that when you have this baby, he is going to be the very Son of God. You're going to call his name Jesus. He is going to rule and reign forever over the throne of David. Oh, my goodness. That just, how did she comprehend that? Again, total silence for years and years and years. She never heard from her grandpa that he had a dream about what the Lord was going to do. He had never, she had never heard her grandparents talk about the prophet so-and-so that came and taught down here in Jerusalem. She's never heard anything like this. Silence. And all of a sudden an angel appears unto her and tells her you're going to have the very Son of God. Okay. Also in that conversation she has with Gabriel, this angel Gabriel says, and by the way, Mary, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant and she is going to have a son. So she gets word of this. I want you to know, it does not tell us when the conception of the baby Jesus was. I believe it was the very night that, that, that Gabriel came to Mary. I believe before she showed up at Elizabeth's house, I believe Mary was with child the Son of God. And watch this. I, I, just, I just love this scripture right here. Look down in Luke uh, chapter 1 and verse 40. This is when Mary is about to come into the, the house of where Elizabeth lives. Look what it says. So she goes and she's entering into Judea, the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. In other words, a greeting. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, The baby leaped in her womb, 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Now, you want to know how I translate that? Elizabeth looks at Mary and says, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus is coming. You want to know why she said Jesus is coming? Because the Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist in her womb, and John the Baptist had to speak out, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I am the forerunner. Before he was ever born, it's through this magic, spirit-filled power of the Holy Ghost announcing to Mary that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, I want you to know, you don't hear much of the life of John the Baptist when he was young. You don't hear much of the life of Jesus when he was young. Very little. One event when he was 12 years old, and then the next time you see Jesus coming on the scene, he's in his 30s or he's around 30, and he is doing miracles. But John the Baptist has preceded him, and John the Baptist is preaching a message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know what those words mean? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven... Now, who is the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. Jesus is what establishes the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand. Do you know what John the Baptist is preaching? Jesus is here. Hey, everybody. Jesus is here. And you know what? What is so thrilling about John the Baptist's message is he is preaching Jesus is here, and he don't even know who he is yet. By faith, John the Baptist is preaching what God has told him to preach, that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is here. Oh, Turn with me to John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. I tell you what, back up to verse 26. This is when John is speaking to the disciples that have gathered around. And in verse 26 it says, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoelaces I am not even worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethbarbia before Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeing Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Hey. Whew. John says, He's here. Jesus is here. We celebrate Christmas, and we are celebrating exactly what John the Baptist came. He was told in the Old Testament there would be one that comes as a forerunner for the Son of God to preach that Jesus is coming. The King is coming. He's coming. He's here. And I want you to know over the next day or two, we're going to be celebrating. I know we won't be celebrating with our family until 
day after Christmas, I mean day after New Year's and New Year's Day, we'll, be, we'll still be celebrating this birth of Jesus. What we need to take to heart is that the greatest coming of a human being on this earth is when Jesus Christ came. He left the portals of glory to come so that He might live among us, so that we might be able to have life and have it more, ever, more, uh, more abundantly. I, and, and probably many of you have already heard this, and I didn't even put this in my notes, but, but some people would ask, well, why did Jesus come to begin with? And it reminded me of an illustration that Paul Harvey used to tell at Christmas all the time. And he was telling about this lady that, he, that was going to a candlelight service on Christmas Eve, and the husband was not a very religious man. He said, no, honey, I don't care anything about that Christmas Eve service. You go alone. And as he said it, at the home, a great blizzard began to, to blow, and the snow was, you just couldn't hardly even see through it. And as he sat in the, in the living room by the fireplace, he heard something. And he turned and he looked at his plate glass window. And he looked and he was watching, while well, all of a sudden, a bird hit the window. Boom! And he said, oh my goodness. And he went and he stood at that plate glass window, and directly he was looking, and boom, here come another one. And what had happened, there was a, a flock of sparrows that had gotten disoriented in the snow and in the blizzard, and they were going to the light that was shining through that plate glass window. So he opened the door, and he steps out, and he looks, and this couple of birds already had flown to their death because they were flying into the, to the window, and he's like, oh my goodness, what can I do? I want to rescue these birds. I, I, don't, I don't want them to, call to come to their death by hitting the window. So he stood in front of the window, and he would... They would, here they would come. They was making a big circle out there. Here they come. Boy, he'd stand and he'd wave his hands in front of the window. A bird would hit the window and die. He's like, man, what can, what can I do? So he thought about it for a second. He said, I know what I'll do. He has a big barn out there. He went to the barn and he opened the big double doors and he turned the light on in the barn. And he says, if I can just get these birds to now come to the barn, I can save them. I can rescue them. If they'll just come to the barn, if they'll follow the light. And he got out there and he tried to shoo them in. The birds would swing around and he'd shoo them in, try to shoo them away from the door or from the light from the house and, and they continued to hit the window and he tried to shoo them and scare them in the, to the barn and they would not follow. So he ran into the barn and he got a, he got a bag of hay and, uh, and, and some, some corn and he went out and he threw some hay on the ground. Maybe they would see it and it would be darker than the snow and they would follow it into the barn. And he put a trail of corn. Maybe I can lead them into the barn so they will stop dying. He tried to lead them in and shoo them in. They couldn't get them to go to the barn. He tried everything he knew. And these birds continued to hit the window and die and hit the window and die. And in that moment, he began to think. He says, if I could just be a bird for just a few minutes and I could fly in among them and I could tell them that there is safety in the barn, if I could speak their language if I could fly with them, maybe I could lead them to a place that they would not die, but they would find safety. They can find peace. They can find joy. And when his mind went that direction, he realized, he said, that is exactly what my wife has been trying to tell me all these years. Mankind is doomed to, to death. And Jesus Christ came to be a man so that he could walk among us
so he could show us the way. That is exactly what John the Baptist was doing. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That man got in his car and he drove to town where his wife was attending a church service. He walked down the aisle and he gave his life to Jesus, realizing that Jesus came so he wouldn't have to die. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Christmas story tells us how Jesus came to this earth and walked among men. The Gospels tell us how Jesus, for our sake, died on a cross. Then as we continue to read the Scripture, last Scripture I want to look at this morning is in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 9. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 9. I think this is an appropriate message for Christmas. Before I finish, (laughs) I I, I don't know if y'all know how preachers' minds work. As soon as we get through preaching on Sunday night, the next thing we're doing is we're already thinking about what we're going to preach next Sunday morning. And I mean, it just starts immediately. Monday night, I was... I was thinking about what I was going to be preaching Sunday morning. In my mind, until, until I, I realize what I'm supposed to be preaching, I, I just I don't have any peace all week until I realize what I'm preaching. Well... I went to bed Monday night thinking about, okay, now what's the direction of the message? I need a Christmas message for, for Christmas Eve. And listen to this. I dreamed that I was preaching a message on the second, second coming of Jesus Christ. And I remember, I remember waking up thinking, no, I'm not going to preach a message about the second coming on Christmas Eve. I'm just not going to do that. I think there's an appropriate time, but Christmas Eve morning is not an appropriate time to to preach that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The second coming. As I fought with my conscience and I fought with my spirit all week, Wednesday, I realized God was sharing with me. He said, listen, John the Baptist has already preached the message Jesus is coming. Tell them about how John the Baptist preached it, how he has come to save the world from their sin. He said, but Wayne, share with your people that God has promised that he's still coming again. Jesus is coming. Listen, Jesus is coming again. And if we don't listen with our hearts, If we don't listen with our minds, if we don't listen with our spirit and believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, we'll spend an eternity away from Him separate in a place called hell. Look what He says in Acts chapter 1 and and verse number 9, and it says, And when He had spoken these things, Jesus just got through speaking with the disciples. And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, 
two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. This is what those angels said. Jesus is coming back. In the same way you saw him go, he's going to come back in a cloud. You go back to Revelations chapter 20 and chapter 21, and you will see how Jesus is coming back. He's not coming in a lowly manger. He's not going to be followed by wise men. He's, he's not going to be laid in a, in a, in a manger by, by a virgin. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us that when he comes back, he comes back on a white stallion, and he rides in with king of kings and lord of lords written on his, on his thighs, and he'll have a crown of glory on his head, and judgment will come and follow him. And if you do not believe that Jesus is coming, you will suffer the consequences. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. My prayer this morning, just like Paul Harvey would say, and now you know the rest of the story. Jesus is coming. I hope you're not playing the game of church Hope you're not playing the game of Christianity. I hope you have a true belief in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that He rose again three days later. This can be the greatest Christmas testimony that you can ever have. It's if you accept Jesus today as your Savior. If you're here this morning and you already know Jesus personally in your heart and you have a relationship with Him, my goodness, we have so much to celebrate at Christmas. But if you're not, my prayer is this morning is that you'll accept Him as your Savior. Let's stand together. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll sing just as I am.